All right, we're back with episode three of Outside Looking In. It didn't take us nine months to get an episode out this time, which I'm pretty happy about. Today's episode is going to be a little bit shorter, a little bit simpler. It's just me today, but I've got a lot of really interesting stuff to cover. I want to talk through a video called Stop Caring What Other People Think of You by David Goggins. David Goggins, if you're not familiar, is a former Navy SEAL turned endurance athlete and public speaker and really has just an insane resume. I can't think of another way to put it. The about page on his website reads, David Goggins is a retired Navy SEAL and is the only member of the U.S. Armed Forces to complete SEAL training, including two hell weeks, the U.S. Army Ranger School, where he graduated as enlisted honor man, and Air Force Tactical Air Controller Training. So this guy's done some of the hardest training in multiple branches of the military. But that wasn't enough for him. If you go to the achievement section of his site, it lists just the highlights from his his racing career. Uh, he's done a number of 40, 50, 100 mile plus races uh, and won or been in the top five of several of them. Just going down the list, we've got a 40 miler, a 50 miler, a 100 miler, 150 miler, the Guinness World Record for most pull-ups in 24 hours at 4,030. So like I said, this guy's just insane in the best way possible. Now, this video I found is a montage of clips of him sharing some lessons that he's learned about life and relationships. And what struck me is that even though he's cussing like a sailor, because he is one, a lot of what he said has pretty clear parallels in the Bible and in Christian teaching. And I think when someone outside the church discovers things like that, it lends a lot of credibility to the Bible. So I've pulled five clips out of this about 15 minute video, and I want to offer some comments on each of those. So let's get started. In this first clip, David's basically talking about original sin, this idea that we're all imperfect or flawed or sinful or pick whatever word you want. We get this idea from Genesis, but I think it's put most succinctly in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So here's David's explanation of that idea. I realized that everybody's fucked up. That's the one thing I realized. I walked around and I put these people on a, on a fucking pedestal. Everybody was better than me. So I can't tell you anything about me because you're going to judge me and I'm going to feel even worse than what I am. What I realized, once I calmed my mind down and sat back and looked at how jacked up this world is, once you realize that you are not alone, everybody that's talking to you about how jacked up you are, only thing they've done better than you is they've hidden their fucked up world better than you have. That's all they've done. So David's saying once he realized that he was messed up and then stepped back and looked at how messed up the world was, he realized that, that everyone else was just as messed up as he was. And this reminds me of another place in scripture. This is John chapter 8 verses 2 through 9. A lot of Christians will know this story as the story of the adulterous woman, but it's short, so I'll go ahead and read it in case you're not familiar. At dawn, he, Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. 
In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. So once Jesus calls this out, all the people around him recognize it immediately. They look at this woman and say, you know what? She's a sinner, but so am I, and I have no right to call her out. All right, moving on to the second clip. Uh, In this one, there's an interviewer talking to David and asking him about his philosophy of not caring what people think about you. He says, don't you think, don't you think you could take that too far and come off as cold is the word he uses. And David says, well, well, yeah, you could. You have to be really specific about whose opinion you don't care about. Let's listen. I think you could go the other way and maybe become a bit cold if you don't care what anyone thinks. Your fiance, your kids, you know, they're not the people around. Do you not care what they think? See, that's the thing about it. You have to have an understanding of what not caring means. If your fiance and your kids don't believe in you, you can't care what they think. That means you chose the wrong support staff. So that's why a lot of people don't understand one another. Your support staff has to be like, if I want to go out and do whatever it is, my support staff is, you know, my fiance. If she's like, you know what, you know, I don't think that you should be doing that. I have to take it, you know, why? So I can be open-minded. So, so, so why are you saying this? But if she's saying it because of her, you know, that's not, that's not the right thing. Because I need backing, you know what I mean? Open-mindedness, I need support. So you gotta be very clear thinking about all that stuff. So David's talking about this idea that you need support staff in your life. And in this case, he's talking about it within the context of uh, your significant other or your spouse. Uh, And the Bible speaks pretty directly to this in a number of places with regards to marriage. Proverbs 31 verses 10 through 12 says, A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Uh, Ephesians 5.25, speaking to husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You do need to have people in your life that support you, and you need to be able to trust those people. Again, David's talking about this in the context of marriage here, but this applies to, to friendships too, which is the third clip I want to share. And fair warning, he's pretty fired up about this one. My circle's very small. I make sure I didn't handpick these people. Because I'm like, so so you don't want people in your corner that are like, oh, let me pat you in the back for the fuck you do. I don't want people patting on the fucking back because I fucking woke up in the morning. No. So you don't want that. You want people who are honest with you who are going to tell you what the fuck is honest. Honest and truthful people. So someone who's honest and truthful, who has lived and is accountable for their own personal life, that's when you want the corner and say, hey, man, you know what? You're pretty fucking dumb for doing this. Like, this is not smart. Or you're being a, you know, you're being a turd today. You're not getting after it. That's who you want in your corner. So you don't want a lot of people, hand-picked people to be in the corner who kiss their fucking ass. You don't want that. So again, David's talking about this idea of people that really support you, that want the best for you in terms of friendships in this clip. But I think we can see a parallel to this in your church community and in small groups too. 
he said, I didn't handpick these people. And I think what he means by that is that he didn't look at everyone he knew and pick people to just affirm everything that he does. Like as he got to know people, this group of people that he trusted and respected kind of filtered itself out of that. And I think that's how a church and how small groups work too. You know, you don't get to handpick the people that come to your church, but the longer you're there, you start to recognize and and build stronger relationships with the people who you really do connect with and who really do care about you. Now, David also says that you don't want people around you who are going to affirm everything that you do. Uh, We know in a Christian context that we're called to love people, but just affirming everything that everyone does isn't truly loving. Loving someone means wanting the best for them. And incidentally, that's a a Jordan Peterson rule as well. You want people who who want the best for you, who are going to encourage you or nudge you in the right direction, or maybe sometimes, you know, give you a metaphorical slap in the face who are going to be bluntly honest with you. Like David said, hey, you're you're really dumb for doing this. Uh, and they're not saying that out of hostility. They're saying that because they care about you. They don't want to see you get burned by a bad decision. All right, moving on to clip number four. Uh, and this one, we're kind of revisiting what the first clip talked about, this idea that so many people want to hide their mistakes and their failures. And in this clip we're about to listen to, David says, no, don't, don't do that. Uh, bring this out into the light to reference First John chapter 1 again. You know, admit your mistakes to yourself and, and other people. So let's listen to that. So if you want to sit back and judge how jacked up I was and how messed up my life was, Merry Christmas, go for it. Have a good time. But I'm smiling at you right now, knowing you have a secret that you're not willing to share. It gives you a lot of power when you're able to go on a podcast this big and say, hey, tell me, I'll tell you anything you want to know. I no longer care. There's a lot of power in that. To be able to put your life on a billboard for the whole world to see and say, judge it, man. Judge it. Like just me talking about it makes me feel good. And that's, and that's another thing about it. When you are willing to talk about how jacked up you are, the strength, that big rock that you carry, it just starts to come off you. It just starts to come off. That's why I do it so often. I'm like, hey, man, I'll tell you anything you want to know. I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of not telling you shit. I'm tired of lying about how good I'm not. So David in this clip is making the point that hiding your failures, the places where you fall short, uh, have done ugly or immoral things in the past, hiding that stuff is so much more of a burden than just admitting it and talking about it. And Jesus says this pretty directly in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just for some context, a yoke is like a, like a harness that you would put on an animal to make carrying a load easier for them. So what Jesus is saying in this passage is, yeah, it might seem like a burden to admit all your failures to, to yourself, to the people around you, to God, but that's so much less of a burden than the trying to hide it forever. Share that stuff with people. Share it with God. Let him transform you into a better person. And speaking of transforming yourself into a better person, I think I've really saved the best clip for last year. David's talking about his transformation from this timid, weak, unconfident person into someone who's certainly physically capable, but also more confident and willing to step out of his comfort zone and do what he's called to do. Let's listen. So we first have to face the real you. 
The real me is David Goggins. The real me is a guy looking at you right now saying, I don't want to fucking be on this show right now because I used to stutter as a kid. And I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid that here in a second, I'm going to start fucking stammering and stuttering and the whole world is going to know that I have all these issues. But that's when I see right now, okay, Goggins, you got to go on this fucking show. That's Goggins. Goggins is saying, okay, David Goggins, you're a punk. Life made you this way. We can't live like this. We can't live in fear. We can't live in judgment. We can't be afraid of what the fuck people right now are looking at me saying about me. We cannot be afraid of that. That's Goggins. Goggins saying, fuck all of you who don't like me, who don't want it. And that person then comes in. But you have to be David Goggins and say, man, I'm afraid of this. I'm here. Life made me this way here. I stutter. I have these issues with you know, reading and writing and fat and I'm insecure. You have to face that in that dark room. In that dark room is who you are. But in that dark room is where you have to create another human being that walks out of that dark room to face who you are. That's the only way you're gonna get over all those things. You have to create someone else. Not that you have two different personalities, it is you. But you have to find strength. And that visualization of almost me cracking out goggles, like almost like that Superman cape, like, like, like I'm coming out a different person, a person that doesn't give a fuck about anything. That's goggles. So there's a couple of things I want to talk about in that clip. One is when he's talking about his former timid self that's afraid of public speaking and just really insecure. It sounds a lot like Moses. Uh, Moses had exactly those problems. And here's the interaction between Moses and God when God's telling him, hey, I'm, I'm choosing you to lead the nation of Israel. So this is Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, and I just imagine God being frustrated and fired up, but so hopeful in this. Uh, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God's saying, yeah, I know you're messed up. I know you have these issues and these insecurities, but you can't, you can't be afraid of that. I have a purpose for you. I'm going to give you what you need to accomplish this mission. So go, go do it. And what's more, I think that the God chose Moses for this specifically because he wasn't well-suited to, to leadership, right? If God had chosen a really charismatic, you know, really great public speaker for this role of leading Israel, it'd be easy for the Israelites and for us today to look at him and say, oh, he's just a natural-born leader. But when God chooses Moses, we look at him and say, wow, here's a guy that wasn't, that was in no way prepared for this task. And God helped him do it. Look what God's done. God's using this opportunity to show people what he's capable of. So there's, there's that parallel between David Goggins and Moses. The other thing that stood out to me about this clip was David's imagery of this, this dark room where you have to go in and create a better person. What fascinates me about this is that it sounds exactly like Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus took on the, the sins and the imperfections of the world, died, and was buried in this this dark room, this tomb, and then came out as a new person with a new 
sense of spiritual life that he then offered to all of us. It just blows me away that David, not being, from what I can tell, not being a Christian or having gone to church, it just fascinates me that that's the imagery he chose for this process of transforming yourself. And like I said at the beginning, when someone outside the church uses that kind of imagery and recognizes these kinds of ideas, it just lends so much credibility to the Bible and to Christianity. All right, those are all the clips I wanted to go through today. I hope you enjoyed this little bit shorter, more casual format. If you're not a Christian, what I want you to take away from this is that things like this are why I see the Bible as a credible book or part of the reason. If you are a Christian, the point I want to make with this episode is that we shouldn't hesitate to celebrate little bits of truth where we see them. In a broken world where we're all made in God's image, we should kind of expect people to express little bits of truth in their own broken ways. And, you know, we shouldn't condone the broken parts of it. Like, I'm not condoning David's profanity or the more aggressive elements of his personality, uh, but I am recognizing where he says things that line up with Scripture. And I want to point those out and celebrate those. So I'll wrap it up there, but I'm already really looking forward to the next episode. I think we're going to talk about how C.S. Lewis and an 80s metal band created two very similar characters. It, It just blew me away. I'm really excited to talk about it. So I hope you'll tune in for that. Thanks for listening.